Well, good morning. Glad that you're joining us today. We're finishing up our series called The Bible. It's been three weeks. And uh, today's title is How Can I Live What I Learn? Um, obviously from the Bible. Uh, we have some new folks with us. Uh, there are outlines if you'd like to, one of those to follow line, along with what's on the screen. And if you, there's Bibles around if you'd like, to, like a Bible. Uh, I came across this statement I'd like to start with. Um, you can't master the Bible. I've been studying it for a long time, <laughs> 60 years or so. And it seems like I'm scratching the surface. But the Bible can master you. The Bible can, can transform you. The Bible can uh, make you the person that God wants you to be. So that's what we've been talking about for three weeks. Uh, I'm going to start with a verse from a letter from Paul to Timothy. We believe probably... Possibly the last thing that Paul ever wrote. And Timothy was a young preacher. Paul was getting older, actually, in prison. And here's some advice he wrote to him. Study and do your best to present yourself to God approved. Study what? God's Word, right? As a preacher, that's what you do. A workman who has no reason to be ashamed. So there are reasons to be ashamed, but if you do this, you don't need to be ashamed. And here's the key. Accurately handling, and then skillfully teaching the word of truth. So this is Paul's encouragement to his young preacher, Timothy. God's, and our, <clears throat> excuse me, Paul and God's encouragement to you and I to also study so we can accurately handle and skillfully teach God's word. Abraham Lincoln, we said two weeks ago, said it's God's greatest gift to man. And the reason is because it has transformed more lives than any other book. So it teaches us how to live, not just exist, not just to pass time, get born, live our lives, and die, but how to truly live with meaning and purpose. So I'm going to start with the negative first, then we'll go to the positive, try and make this really practical. Uh, for our new folks, we started with a challenge to everybody to read their Bible daily, and if possible, to read the Bible through this year. So, why don't people read the Bible? What are excuses for not reading the Bible? Probably the first one I usually hear is, I'm too busy. I'm just so busy. You know, I've got uh, my job, I've got household responsibilities, I've got a spouse, I've got kids, uh, grandkids, whatever it might be, and I'm just busy. And that's probably true. Especially if you still have a family together with kids at home. But let me ask you a simple question. If you have a family, spouse, children, whatever it might be, you are busy trying to do what? Be the best family you can be, right? Spouse, parent, whatever it might be. So let me ask you, where's the best place to get advice how to be the best parent or spouse? in this book. So, your goal will be greater, great, greater, greatlier, no, that's not right. <laughs> anyway, you reach your goal better if you took time to read God's Word, right? Another excuse I don't like to read, well, you can listen to it. We talked about that. Uh, there's a Bible app, free. Um, multiple translations, you can just listen to it. Uh, People that read 
you know, very interesting manner. But I also think everybody reads. You either read stuff on Facebook and uh, social media, you read stuff in um, magazines, you read stuff uh, other places. And if you're really interested in something, you look it on, up on the internet and you read it, right? So that's not really a good excuse either. Boring? Okay. Um, as we read through the Old Testament, there are going to be places that I would admit to you are boring. And it just takes discipline to do it. I have disciplined myself to do exercises. They're pretty boring. Uh, other things we do are boring. Cutting the grass is, to me is boring. Some people like it. Uh, but we do things that are boring because they're important or necessary. And the same thing with God's Word. Hard to understand. Some of it is. Uh, that's why we encourage people to be in small groups. So I have a question I can ask you, and maybe you've got a good answer. Or you can ask me, and I can encourage you, and you can encourage me. So also you can Google stuff, right, and get better understanding. Now these last two are probably more to the point. The other's technically excuses. The devil doesn't want me to read it. That's absolutely true. Because you will be better. <laughs> better person, better Jesus follower. Just your life will be better if you read God's word. And the devil doesn't want anything good for you. So he'll convince you to use these excuses. I'm too busy. I don't like to read, etc. And the last one is the one that bothers me the most. And it's often the real reason. I don't want to change. I don't want to be a better spouse. I don't want to be a better parent. Now, what we're really saying is I just want to be the way I am. I don't want to change. I want to be, you know, self-focused, self-centered. Uh, I don't want to serve people. I don't want to do what God wants me to do. Um, and if I read God's word, that's, uh, you know, it's going to tell me to be more loving. I don't want to be more loving. It's going to tell me to serve people, and I don't want to serve people, whatever it might be. I've got this pet sin, and I don't want to feel like I need to give it up. Unfortunately, they are some of the reasons we don't read it. So now let's focus on the positive, why it's a good idea to read it. All right? And it's overwhelmingly. Uh, it will make me smarter and or wiser. We're going to be reading from the Psalms 119. Oh, how I love your instructions, or your word, speaking of God. I think about them all day long. Do you think about God's word all day long? Your commands, God's word, make me wiser. Wiser than who? Wiser than my enemies, for they are a constant guide. Now, I don't know how many enemies you have, not literal enemies, but... People maybe that you don't get along with or don't like you, whatever. Um, you would like to improve that relationship. God's word will make you wiser in relationship with your quote-unquote enemy. Text goes on. Yes, I have more insight than my teachers. That's pretty interesting, right? Some of you are teachers, right? And as a pupil or student, you can have more insight than your teacher uh, through reading his word. I'm always thinking of your laws. I am even wiser than my elders. Now, this was fascinating to me. I get wiser, smarter as I age, right, through experience. But someone has said, better than learning from your mistakes is better to learn from other people's mistakes. So you can be wiser by learning from others 
uh, wiser beyond your years by reading God's word. Now, Psalm 119 is a fascinating part of the Bible. <clears throat> Psalm 118 is the middle chapter of the Bible. I can't remember how many, 1800 chapters, whatever it was. Uh, 118 is the middle one, exactly middle. 117, what is significant about 117? Psalm 117, it is the what? Shortest chapter in the Bible. If you want to read a ch chapter of the Bible quick, go to Psalm 117. Take you about 30 seconds. Not even, not even that long. 20 seconds. Psalm 119, on the other side of the middle, is the longest chapter in the Bible. Now, 119 is fascinating. It talks about God and God's Word. There are 176 verses divided in stanzas of eight. 822 stanzas. Each stanza starts with a letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So they only have 22 letters. <laughs> All right? So the first eight verses are under the letter Hebrew A. More fascinating than that, all eight verses start with the letter A. God is referred, ref, referenced in all 176 verses. And God's word is referenced in 173 verses. Only three verses. Now, most of the time it says your, doesn't say God. It says your. So, <laughs> this section that we're reading is the M, quote unquote, section of Psalm 119. And we'll read some more of it in a few minutes. So, if you want understanding, if you want wisdom, you want to be smarter, you need to read God's Word. Now, we're not just talking about intellectual knowledge, right? So when I learn something, it's important that I, what? Do what I learn. Like I learned an exercise routine. Well, it doesn't help me much if I just learn the routine, right? I've got to actually do it. So we say we have to actually obey what God tells us in his word. So it can make us smarter. Secondly, it can make us better. We used Romans 12 last week. We'll do it again. Romans 12, 2. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. So there's some things not to do. But let God transform you or change you into a new person by changing the way you think. So it's going to make you better. Then you will learn to know God's will, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And if you know God's will and do it, God's will is perfect. <laughs> That's what's best. It'll make you and I better. In the first verse, it says, Offer your bodies a living sacrifice. That means we are to sacrifice what we want for what God's want. And we can do that through the power of the Holy Spirit that can change or transform us. So it makes us better. We all want to be better. Hopefully we do. Uh, it also makes you successful. We also covered this passage last week. Joshua's ready to take the Israelites into the promised land. Moses has just died. And... This is the word of God to Joshua. Be strong and very courageous. Okay, this is going to be difficult. You're going to have to get you know, all the courage you can. It's going to be a, hard to do. You're going to have to work at it. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Some of our Old Testament, right? Do not deviate from them. So, if they're good instructions, you don't want to deviate from them. Because it's going to be less than good. 
So it's, don't turn to the, either to the right or to the left. Then you'll be successful. It says everything. Study the book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night. So you'll be sure to obey it. It's not good just to know it. You need to obey it. Everything written in it. Only then. See, this is a promise from God, right? You will be successful, Joshua, if, all right, only then. So the promise, God can't, doesn't have to keep his promise if you don't do the if. But if we do the if, which is what? Meditate on God's word, day and night. Sure to obey it, everything written in, only then, but then you will prosper and be successful in all you do. Now, Success is gauged different ways. Does it mean you, that you're going to have a million followers on Facebook or Inst Instagram or social media? Does it mean you're going to have a million dollars? No, that's what God means by success. You will have a success. You'll have success in your relationships. You'll have sec success in your, in your work. You'll have success in your finances. You'll have success in your health. All these things in God's Word to help us be successful, be fulfilled, have meaning and purpose in life. That's what success is. By the way, whose approval are you trying to, to, to receive? That's an interesting question about life. Whose approval are you trying to gain for the life you live? Those that have families, probably our spouses, our children, possibly our parents might be. But in reality, we only have to serve or seek the approval of one, right? If I'm meeting God's approval as a spouse, then I'll, my wife will be delighted with me, right? Same with parents. And I says, whatever it might be. Whose approval are you seeking? It'll make you successful. Some other, couple other reasons. I love this next one. It'll keep you from doing stupid things. Don't raise your hand. Who does stupid things? Well, I've done stupid things, right? You raised your hand anyway. I told you not to. <laughs> We've all done stupid things, right? So let's get back to Psalm 119, the, the M section. I've refused to walk on an evil path. Now that's a stupid thing, right? To walk on the evil path. So I have refused to walk on the evil path so that I remain obedient to your word. Again, you've got to do what it says. I haven't turned away from your regulations, again, your word, for you have taught me well. So I'm able to say no to things I should say no to. And we talk about following Jesus, changing. I have to follow. That's what obedience is. It's following. And the text goes on. How sweet your words taste to me. I don't know what's sweet to you. But, you know, get you tasty. What's exciting to you? But part of that should be God's word. Sweeter than honey. Your commands give me understanding. No wonder I hate every false way of life. Because that doesn't bring understanding. So it keeps me from doing stupid things. And one other verse earlier in the, in the psalm. I've hidden your word in my heart, in my mind. I've stored it up. Right? Like a squirrel does nuts in the, for the winter. I've stored it up so it's there when I need it. That I might not sin against you. <clears throat> and I think there's one more. Yeah. One other reason to read the Bible. It'll help everyone around you. If I'm a better spouse, I'll help my spouse. If I'm a better parent, I'll help my kids. If I'm a better pastor, I'll help my congregation. If I'm a better whatever, 
It's going to help those people around me. Because when I deviate from God's word, when I sin, people get hurt. Always. People get hurt or I get hurt. So it's going to help everybody around me. It's going to help me. It's going to be less hurt if I uh, meditate on God's word and, and follow it or obey it. So trying to make this as practical as possible, a couple of suggestions of ways to read the Bible. Versus devotionally. So when you read it, don't just read it to say, oh, I read that chapter. Read it, kind of ask yourself the question, what's God saying to me? Is it what I just read? And if you're all in the same reading I'm doing, we've been reading these, about these Old Testament characters and uh, really dysfunctional families. We talked about this in our small group. So what is God saying to me? Well, my, my family is a little dysfunctional too, but I'm no different than those folks. And I'm reading about them. God used them in a great way. So maybe God can use me in a great way. It may be something more specific than that. So read it devotionally. Now, sometimes we should do more than just read it. We should actually study it. So secondly, do it thoughtfully or studiously. So I don't know how many of you know what the inductive Bible study is, but here's a simple way to explain it. So sometimes you want to read God's Word and ask yourself three questions. All right? The observation question, what does it say? Try and figure out what it's saying. Then secondly, what does it mean? Because it may mean different things depending on the context and when it was written and where it was written, etc. So what does it say? What does it mean? And then the third part, of course, is application, the obedience part, following part. What is the instruction for me to do? Right? Oh, maybe I need to try and make my fa family less dysfunctional, right? I shouldn't favor one child over another. We just read that this week. The dad favored one of the twins and the mom favored the other twin. And boys, <laughs> some bad things happen, right? So, do it studiously or study it. Uh, a couple others. Read it slowly and or quickly. What do I mean by that? Slowly. Sometimes you don't want to read a lot. You just want to read a verse or two. And then uh, meditate on it. Uh, you might even want to make a prayer out of it, right? Um, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Yes, God, you're my shepherd. You're the greatest shepherd. You're a perfect shepherd. Thank you for shepherding me. And I don't have any wants. I don't need to have wants because you're my I thank you, God. Just read it slowly. Other times you want to read it quickly. By this I mean... Um, some of the New Testament letters, we read some from 2 Timothy. That's a letter from Paul to Timothy. Now, when you get a letter from somebody, do you just read a part of it, and then the next day read part of it, the next day read part of it? I don't know about you, but if I don't. I read the whole thing, even if it's long. So, much of the Bible, New Testament anyway, is letters. And so you might want to just read the whole letter and say, okay, what was... Paul trying to tell Timothy. We looked at one thing, but what did he try and get across in this letter? So read it slowly sometimes. Sometimes read it quickly or read it a lot. A um, couple other contrasts. Read it in rows and read it in circles. For some of our new folks that are here today, we talk about rows and circles. We talk about rows on Sunday morning. Everybody's sitting in rows. Well, a couple of you around tables in the back. All right. 
So we study God's word on Sunday morning, right? All right, and then circles is what we do in small groups. In our small groups, we sit in circles. Right? So, read it on Sunday morning, and we study it and read it on, in our small groups. And then, as we've been encouraging you to do, read it daily. Read it daily. Most of us eat every day, right? Most of us don't miss going very few days without eating. We talked about this is our nourishment. This is our soul food if you want. So, I don't know about you. I have a specific diet that I, uh, food I eat and don't eat. I have a specific exercise program I have. Um, I eat every day. I don't exercise every day. I usually don't exercise on Sunday. But most days I do. So you have to do it daily if you're going to benefit from the exercise. You're going to have to do it daily if you're going to benefit from your diet. And you're going to have to do it daily if you're going to benefit from God's Word. This makes sense. So I came across something I thought was really fascinating. And such say our music people might like it. I don't know. Uh, bring that next slide up. I'm going to title it, How to Become a World-Class Jesus Follower. This guy wrote a book, Malcolm Gladwell, called Outliers. And he did some research. He, he researched... Um, music students in a college, right? And he, and he made, got all the statistics together, and here's what he found. Those who dedicated themselves to four to 6,000 hours kind of gravitated to becoming music teachers. Those that upped it up, upped it up to 6,000 or 8,000 hours, they usually went into the music performance you know, in an orchestra or whatever you might call that. But those that reached a 10,000-hour level, they became what he called world-class musicians. Now, the fascinating thing was, then he started doing research in other areas, and he found it was almost universally true. What meaning if you're an athlete or whatever you are, if you commit 10,000 hours to that profession or sport or whatever, you became world class. Okay, so how do you, 10,000 hours, that's a lot of hours, right? So here's my calculations. If you put in five hours a week, now we say, that's a long time. Well, an hour at church on Sunday morning, and I do two small groups, but if you're in one small group, that's an hour and a half. If you're reading 15, 20 minutes a day, that's a couple more hours. If you read anything else on Facebook or uh, YouTube or whatever, it's, you can get up to five hours. Now some of us say that's, you know, some of us have watched five hours of football today. So you can get five hours in a week. So five hours in a week is about 250 hours in a year. You multiply that by 10 years, you're up to 2,500. So how many years you got to go to get to 1,000? Any math students out there? No. 40 years. 40 years. So roughly in 40 years, just by doing that, not going to Bible college or anything else, you and I can put enough hours. And I, of course, as a pastor, I've gone way past that. I don't consider myself a world-class Jesus follower, but the hours I've put in kind of classifies me as that. Some of you have been around here as long as I have. Uh, you could probably fit that category too. But if you're young, just think. If I just do five hours a week, within 40 years, and it'll go by fast, folks, within 40 years, I can be a world-class Jesus follower. What, what a great ambition to have in your life. 
So, finishing up. You can't master the Bible. You can't. But the Bible, you can let the Bible master you. But you need a plan. So we've been giving you a plan uh, the last couple of weeks. Commit to doing it. Like I commit to my diet. I commit to my exercise. I commit to reading God's Word daily. We're suggesting we give you an outline, a uh, schedule, so you can read the Bible through in a year. If that Old Testament's too difficult for you, just can read the New Testament through. Daily is the key, or almost daily. Choose a translation. There's lots of translations. Choose if you're going to listen to it or read it or some combination of the two. You need to choose a plan of action. That means, when am I going to do this? How am I going to do it? A big part of your plan needs to be what happens when I miss. Now, if you're just reading the New Testament, you get a couple days a week that you don't have anything to read. But if you're reading the whole thing, there's going to be a day you miss. I just missed a couple days in December when I was sick. I just catch up. But maybe that's too difficult for you. So maybe you can just check the boxes off, and if you get some extra time, you know, next weeks or month, maybe go back and read that. But you can just kind of keep going through and you'll be behind us, but that's fine. But choose a plan. So you, otherwise you're going to get discouraged and stop. And that's what we don't want you to do, okay? So choose a plan and then joyfully anticipate the transformation that God will do in your life as you daily nourished by his word. And it'll be exciting to see how excited you folks are about doing this. So, let me pray with you, and then we'll close our service with a, with a song. Thank you, God. We thank you for your word. It is, it is, outside of Jesus, of course, the greatest gift you gave to us. Because we can know you. We can know who you are, and what you're like, and what you would like us to do, and how we can live our lives better. And it's just endless benefits from your word. And God, for folks that haven't read it daily and so folks that haven't read through the Bible in a year, this is, this is exciting, but it also it's, it's going to take courage and it's going to take determination and stick to itiveness. So I pray, God, that they will not give up. The promise is if we don't give up, there'll be success. Uh, we pray for anyone that uh, is not a Jesus follower and has come to the realization today that I need to do business with God. I'm a sinner. It's separating me from God. I need forgiveness. I want eternal life. God, I accept the gift of your son, Jesus. I believe he was your perfect son. He suffered and died and rose from the dead to conquer death and can pay for my sin so I can be in relationship with you. God, I invite you into my life now. If you pray that prayer, if that's your desire of your heart, please let us know. Bible describes it as being born again. And just like any newborn... You need 24-7 care. You need hands-on care. And that's what, one reason the church is here. Father, we thank you for your presence in the service. We know that you speak through your word. Continue to speak as we finish our worship. In Jesus' name, amen.